Okay, Paul, you ready to talk about Holmes and Watson? I can swear too. Balls. See? Ooh, guess it's not funny unless you're in a period costume. I'm Paul Balls. I've got no idea whatsoever. Today we shall be deducing Holmes and Watson. Uh. A murder in Buckingham Palace. Solve this case in four days or I will kill the Queen. Signed Professor James Moriarty. Come, Watson. We have a killer to catch. Yeah, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> Written and directed by Ethan Cohen. Mm. I want to. I want to pronounce it. He spells this differently, named differently than Ethan Cohen. I want to emphasize that more. Too similar. Ethan Cohen. Um, you're using an alarmingly large number of the letters that comprise the name of one of the best directors who ever lived. I'm going to need you to give up at least five of those. You're now James. You're Jimmy. <laughs> it's Ihar Kohi, <laughs> uh, the director of Will Ferrell Vehicle and future OGT episode Get Hard. Great. Yeah, you're into that. <laughs> uh, produced by Adam McKay, presumably as a favour to Will Ferrell before they ended their partnership shortly after the release of this film, actually. We'll figure it as just the shitty chrysalis that Adam McKay had to escape before he could get out and make the big short and vice. Well, the shitty Ferrellosis. He thought, if I do this with Will Ferrell, he'll come back and do a funny little skit in one of my good films. <laughs> Explaining something dense. He'll play Barack Obama and it won't be offensive <laughs> at all. He'll play a ratified amendment to something. <laughs> hey, I'm the physical embodiment of a, of a ratified amendment. Me, Will Ferrell. Let me explain <laughs> how this works. come on to his next political thing yeah. and explain how an amendment gets repealed in a bathtub. Brilliant. <laughs> Everyone will love it. Get hard? I am already. <laughs> Have you seen that buff? <laughs> the film saw some action in 2008 when Sasha Baron Cohen and Judd Apatow were involved. Then there's this completely unexplained 10-year gap in its production. And then <laughs> after that 10-year gap, it just kind of happened. Mm. It wasn't, there wasn't a barrier to overcome or a falling out or a legal issue. People just stopped giving a fuck for a cool decade. And then it farted out. I, I, I imagine the obstacles were not so much the things coming from inside their film as other films happening outside of theirs, such as Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> and the collective ill will of an entire movie-going public and industry. And we, like the Care Bears, we all joined hands. And little rays of um, beauty shone from our hearts. <laughs> Christopher Nolan turned into a butterfly and transformed the whole world. But um, the, the Holmes and Watson movie got pushed back. But now thanks to Trump and Brexit, <laughs> the power was too weak and something escaped from the fucking prison. It's de- it is definitely, definitely that. I'm 100% on that. We, we, we could also play... <laughs> it's in the IMDb trivia. <laughs> we could also just play the Price is Right music and list all the other good Sherlock Holmes vehicles that came out during that 10-year period. <laughs> During that brief 10-year period. I mean, there were at least three. Yeah. So... Even, like, elementary was better than this, I imagine. Probably. So. Nomeo and Juliet. I'll say four. Sherlock Gnomes. Uh, I'm not, no, I'm not going to include that. <laughs> Come on, man. Let's, let's not take the piss. Let alone did you see the trailer. Did you, did you hear the title I just said when I said it? Sherlock Gnomes. Yeah, you're right. 
some lines, there's some lines you just shouldn't cross. <sighs> now, Wikipedia like that line that I draw says, in the bathroom when we live together. <laughs> hated that line. It kept me in there. <laughs> uh, Wikipedia says Holmes and Watson was not screened in advance for critics, who subsequently panned the film. I'm not liking mm. the implied causality there. In fact, the reverse is fucking true. The film was not screened in advance for critics because fucking look at it. Yeah. You know why? Because news travels fast. And if even one <laughs> film critic had seen this film before its release, they'd have done something. Surely mm. they'd have been deputized by their responsibility to the world. Mark Kermode would have been given full command of the critics of the world and he'd have deployed forces. Even Peter Travers sat in his cinema seat would have suddenly gotten up to his feet his children's book of puns would have fallen off his lap and he'd have known that he had a destiny to fulfill <laughs> i thought you were gonna say children's size feet <laughs> <laughs> wobbling uncertainly on his tiny feet <laughs> it's because he needs such a big head to fill up fill up all the puns <laughs> To write, to write reviews like Peter Travers at the Rolling Stone, you need the heart of a child and the feet of a child. <laughs> the inability to get it from your desk. I'm not going to put, put up with these outrageous allegations. <laughs> what a dick. He's not even out the room. Leave him a minute. <laughs> oh, Christ. Alejandro Gigalvo over at Sensacini. Sensacini. Awesome. Uh, says, Holmes and Watson is idiotic, but not enough to alienate everyone. Bit of a mixed review there. No, everyone, not to alienate idiots. <laughs> Some idiots are not going to be completely alienated by this. Idiocy. God, it's really going to galvanise everyone. <laughs> we need something less divisive. We need something so idiotic it will alienate literally everyone. Thank God for Peter Travis at the Rolling Stone. <laughs> His tiny feet. He's going to save this country. Peter Gray at This Is Film. <laughs> says this is pointless ridiculous this sounds like he's reviewing our episode now <laughs> i thought that maybe that was maybe you breaking character <laughs> i can't do this anymore paul not now not with holmes and watson hang on a minute now we've done peter travis's tiny feet <laughs> what would you do oh god listeners at home mark Kermode likes to go over, over to peter travis when he's sitting on his seat and his legs are swinging <laughs> and just put his hand up against the sole of his shoe and go huh, still not as big thought so <laughs> Kermode's a bully he's got the biggest feet in the industry mark Kermode. <laughs> anyone else really thought about the merits of Greece? To Whoops, sorry, madam. He kicked a woman in the front row. <laughs> Again. Ugh. He practically killed Pauline Kale. Peter Gray. Go on. Peter Gray, the depressing alternative to Peter K. <laughs> oh, up on Peter Gray. Did you ever notice how big your sofa looks when you're the only one on it? <laughs> Comedy for the masses. <laughs> I have noticed that. <laughs> Peter Gray. Please bring Peter K back. Garlic bread. <laughs> Actually, he's the one who killed himself. <laughs> the clown Dark horse yeah. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm gonna live forever Peter Gray at This Is Film Said this is pointless Ridiculous Insulting material That shouldn't even be viewed As a hate watch I like a good hate watch <laughs> You know you're still, you're still a little bit Angry with it But oh, It's there Yeah Waggling it's reels <laughs> It's tasty reels You both get to have A bit of a hate watch <laughs> I save time I just go straight To the bathroom mirror <laughs> Oh Ow <laughs> Ask Paul recovers from that. Uh, the film has 11% on Rotten Tomatoes and 24% on Metacritic. But should the... be lucky with that. It should be happy with it, the little piece of shit. Yeah. It's a quarter. It's a quarter of all the approval that there is. If I got a quarter of all approval, <laughs> I wouldn't be wearing any clothes right now. <laughs> I wouldn't need them. The approval would keep me warm. The public, on the other hand, uh, hated it as well. Oh. It didn't even break even at the box office and it has 3.7 on IMDb. 
The top four pieces of IMDb trivia all allude to it being awful. That's trivia. Oh, it's like the latest Game of Thrones episode trivia. <laughs> uh, interesting fact, this is bullshit. Not my Melisandy. <laughs> Mr. MJ Last over Amazon said, I really enjoyed the last, um, sorry, the last, I really enjoyed the, the last moment of me falling off the chair. I really enjoyed the first 30 mins-ish. The piss take of the English language was particularly funny, I thought. <laughs> it's oh, it's an amazing subversion in which they take out all interest from the English language, thereby heightening just how pointless it really is. <laughs> but, at the, but at about the 45 minute mark, I had seen enough. The jokes fell flat. A 15 minute window there. 30 minutes of enjoyment, mm. 45 minutes he'd seen enough. So there was just a 15 minute period of grey. They also started insulting Americans in that 15 minutes. Oh, well. shit. So I can see why that would get a bit too personal, a bit too close to home. Uh-oh. Is he American? You're in trouble. If not, he should be. He should be, Mr. MJ Last. MJ stands for Murica Jones. <laughs> America jokes last. <laughs> America Jones. No America jokes. Keep them at the very end of the film. <laughs> so I can leave first. Where it's too late to spoil it for me. America Jones. MR Camp. Oh, another M thing. That's meaningless. Uh, MR Camp at Amazon mm-hmm. says, I wish I could give it zero stars and Amazon refund me. Crazy pie dreams. Yeah. Ah, oh, we switched off after 30 minutes. Huh. As this is utter rubbish. Oh. Oh. Curious. Oh, well. Amy at Amazon says, Oh, absolutely awful film. <laughs> Starts oh. with O. Oh, let me tell you. Sit down. <laughs> Put a coin in her. <laughs> oh, <laughs> absolutely awful. I tell thee. Don't get me started. Oh, uh, worst film I have seen this year by far. Normally these pair crack me up, but I managed no more than 30 minutes before switching anything else on. <laughs> what the fuck happens 30 minutes into this film? Also, what did she switch on? Kettle, microwave. <laughs> Literally anything. Bosnian war crimes. <laughs> Hang on a minute. Let me just let me just start the movie Holmes and Watson. Ah! Sorry. <laughs> Every time. Skip to 30 minutes. Shit. 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 Mm-hmm. Shit. Mm-hmm. Shit. It, mm-hmm. Here we go. 30 minutes. It's the autopsy scene. That's, okay. That's what got him. That was too much. That's when the whole thing became just a bit too meta, you see. People are very aware of that sort of... Oh. Thin veneer of artifice yeah. that separates... The real from the super real. The membranous fourth wall. Also, it was gross. There was ro- romantic interest. Oh, yeah. We didn't watch our our films for romance. <laughs> we wanted the selfie joke. I didn't come here for romance. I come here to show kids good film about cock. <laughs> the film won five of the seven Golden Raspberries it was nominated for, including mm. Worst Picture and Worst Director. What a bunch of shit. It lost worst actor to Donald Trump because politics. I see. And it wa- it lost worst screen combo to Donald Trump and his self perpetuating pettiness. Oh, that that's all very mature and sophisticated. I I applaud them. Yeah, for well this. done. Doing excellent work for the left there. We get it, Rotten Tomatoes or or Razzies, whichever. Here's the problem. Oh fuck, I don't know. <laughs> but because they couldn't figure out a, figure out a way to give Trump the worst supporting actor, it means that John C. Riley got a Razzie for this, whilst Pharrell didn't. And that is just fucking incorrect. Also no. Pharrell. Oh, what's his name? I always thought it was Feral, but it could be Feral. Yeah, Feral. Eh. I've always, I've written it as Feral throughout this document, and I am going to keep calling him that, so... I, it just makes me think of N.E.R.D. <laughs> Pharrell Williams. Oh, I just feel, thought about Colin Farrell. Oh, there's so much, there's so much depth here. I know. I used all this for Holmes and Watson, Ugh. starring Will Pharrell Williams. <laughs> Will Pharrell? Will Pharrell Pharrell. This is all 
way more interesting than talking about the film. It's been 40 minutes so far. Yeah, there's and we're doing two well. more segments keeping us from it. I'm just, I'm holding on to them. Oh, thank Christ. Like the cakes that you get to eat before you have to dive into the sewer. I love those cakes. Very weird Christmas traditions at my house. <laughs> just the one Freeman, though, surprisingly. Oh. Michael Culkin, oh. uh, who plays the judge in the film's opening scene. Oh. He has appeared in two other OGT films, oh. and I would like for you to guess them for me. Lesbian vampire killers. Please. <laughs> I will give you some clues. <laughs> are they are they British films? Kinda. Both have American money. He only shows up for the bucks, that guy. And the butts. <laughs> so in which film did he play Lord Radley, whose wife and daughter were seduced by the same man at a ball? Mordecai. No. Oh. Oh. Trying to think of what shit house films that we've seen that have balls in them. <laughs> balls are too fancy for bad films. Yeah, I know. Uh. It's a very prominent ball though, and this is a film that has pretensions to fanciness. It was early. Super early. Was it now? Uh-huh. Mm. It was a recommendation. Um, the first by a returning recommender. Jesus, I'd I'd like to put that on the back burner for now. Let's move on to the other one, and we'll we'll come back. Okay, I think I that's think interesting. I feel better. In the other one, he plays Sir Graham, in which he receives genital torture care of some Russian gangsters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice Extended Edition. That's the one. Nice one, Mordecai. Yeah, that one's Mordecai. Yay. Okay, well, that's that at least. Okay. Well, back to the other one then. He's got a very Mordecai-like face about him. I did spend about a minute going, is that Stephen Fry? No, it's absolutely not Stephen Fry. Um, (laughs) Even I know that, an idiot. (laughs) The thing about this film is, it's fabulously bland. I remember our episode about it, but I remember almost nothing about the actual film. Oh, God. Lord Radley. Single bloke, sleeps with his wife and his daughter. He's with the daughter, and the wife comes in. And the daughter has to hide. And then he bonks the wife. Oh. Piss. Um, oh, God. This is coming from a real dark recess of the mind. <laughs> where, where did I bury this? <laughs> um, where did I bury this? No, that's that bloke we killed. Move off that. Oh, biscuits. What is it? <laughs> I just can't get alone in the dark out of my head. That's the problem. <laughs> get it. It's same era. Possibly Oof. within five episodes. Oh, Dorian Gray. Yeah, it is. It was Dorian, that the lad Gray. Dorian, lads mag. <laughs> Dorian, hey, Gray. We're Gray. Welcome to the three man, sir. <laughs> Get in the bin, you tr- problematic man. <laughs> oh, free to a man, free in a bush, free. Three, Films are shit, mate. Time for oh, what a lovely score. there to Mark Mothersbaugh, <laughs> the former Devo frontman who invented the soundtrack to every indie movie ever through his work with Wes Anderson. Mm. And lately he's worked with uh, greats like Taika Waititi and The Lord and Miller. The Lord and Miller. <laughs> the Jesus Lord. Christ, reincarnate <laughs> and Christopher Miller. They made 21 Jump Street. But he also... Mark Mothersbaugh also wrote this. Really? Yeah. 
I didn't know that. I know. That was a really surprising aspect of this research. That should have been the first thing that you said. <laughs> oh, the Rugrats guys fucked it. Oh, he had a pretty good run. Yeah, not a bad run of that song. Ah, <sighs> so Paul, you anachronistic knob gag. Oh! What's one thing about this film that made it better than a bout of in- stomach influenza? Oh, well, Steve Coogan's in this and he's, he's doing good accent and face. He's got eyebrows. I noticed that. Mm. And he knows how to use them. He knows how to use them. He's not allowed to wear them on the street. It's too distracting. He has to put them in a special eyebrow case. But he doesn't know. He says he does. But then he puts them on when he thinks no one's around. He's a fucking maverick. He's wearing nothing but the eyebrows. And when the cops show up and they're like, um, hang on a minute, you're that Steve Coogan bloke. Where's your eyebrow holster? He's like, whoa, 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 yeah. with his eyebrows. And they're like, oh, he's cut us in two. Oh, he's like a whole new character, just like that. What are you, what, wait. Shit, <laughs> that eyebrow work. We're going to need backup. Coogan's out of his lashes. Yeah, look, Steve, Steve Coogan was probably my favourite performance in this. Yeah, and probably. And he was in it for three seconds, so that was good. Good three seconds. All right, Paul, that sounds like Steve Coogan. He's in Stan and Ollie. God, he was in Stan and Ollie. Oh. What happens in Holmes and Miller, or whatever it's called? <sighs> I, stick, stick with me, it's very complicated. I don't care. There's a court case, and... Well, actually, before that, we should remark, oh, yay, another Sony Pictures picture. Well done, guys. Oh, good. Doing well. I can't wait for that aesthetic. <laughs> get my lips around that look. Get my lips around that look. <laughs> it's okay. We've um, made Spider-Verse. Get my lips around that comma. Look. We've reinvented a whole genre this year. We can just lie on our laurels. Our, our laurels and oh. Hardy. No. It's not that film. It's not it's a that different film. One. It's a worse, worse film. About the past. It's a worse film about the stinky past. Oh, Fuck. And look, it begins with a with a story, their origin story, basically, doesn't it? Well, no, it begins with a quote. It begins with a quote, which then gets attributed oh. to Hannah Montana, and the Hannah yeah. Montana credit appears with a little ting, yeah. which immediately just tells me everything I needed to know it's about this joke. fucking thing. Wink, <laughs> guys, the joke is here. You see, Hannah Montana didn't write a famous literary work. She's a famous no one, so that's why oh. it's a joke. Because we don't like Hannah Montana, and nor should you, apparently. No, it's really setting us well up for this. <laughs> um, oh, uh, brilliant. Now, which which backstory did you get? Oh, uh, well, I had the one where Will Ferrell, playing Sherlock Holmes, he's he's got a massive marrow, and he's tending to it. Yeah, he's I great. got that one. He's being all sexy with the marrow. And John C. Riley playing Watson, is on the on the top of a building. He's going to kill himself. And he goes, and the first day I met Sherlock Holmes, he brought me down and he saved my life. And Sherlock Holmes keeps going, no, don't jump on the marrow. Jump over here. I'm running out of patience, etc., etc. There are many other ways you could kill yourself. We had instant connection. This man cares about me. A little cup of poison. Dead. He gave me a Dead. reason to live. We'll go and have a drink. I will get my gun and fill your heart full of bullets. Oh, it's a misunderstanding. First of many, and I assure you, it's the first of many. He ends up mistaking these acts as a friendly mm. gesture, and he befriends him, and they end up friends. Um, we then cut forward to presumably sometime after the various Holmes and Watson mm. adventures have occurred. Yeah. All of the good and, ones. Um, all of the good ones that you might have read about, presumably with hilarious twists, mm. probably involving uh, sex puns in the title. Yeah, probably. Um, the Pussy Hound of the Baskervilles, perhaps. Yeah. The Scarlet Cock Jetta. Genital Wart. The Scarlet Genital Wart, yeah. Yeah. That could have been it. You know, Sign of Four come guzzling sluts you know it just it yeah. writes itself really backdoor bitches um, <laughs> that was one of his that was one of um arthur conan doyle's um which as we all know was um you know that's the pun they've made the original is of mm. course um uh front room bitches yeah 
which is what it's, the Victorian phrase was. Well, yeah, which is which is where they take tea and also take it up the butt. Well, the gentlemen are retiring to talk about the war. Front room, bitches. <laughs> oh yes, marvelous. <laughs> We're better than this film. So it it, <laughs> it begins after that in the modern olden days, and it's a court case for for James Moriarty, supreme arch nemesis to Sherlock Holmes, played by um, Ray Fiennes' beard. Yeah. Ray Fiennes is yeah. in this, um, as advertised. And, and with his beard. Watch out for more of him in this film. <laughs> he, like, advertised <laughs> in, in the trailer, in the main the main thing in the trailer. I didn't watch that, mm. Jesus. So, yes, he's on trial for some horrible crimes that he's done. Mm. And there's only one witness who's going to be able to put him away for forever. Yeah. And that's, um, that's Sherlock Holmes, who is um, uh, hilariously occupied at home, trying to figure out what uh, outfit to wear to court. Yeah. Uh, he has many to choose from. For this occasion, I have selected a new hat. From now on, when people utter the name Sherlock Holmes, they will picture this. Not to worry. Hey there, cowboy. That's <laughs> bang, the one. Bang. That's the one. We should leave, yes? Oh, aye, aye. I say, I like that one very much. And Watson keeps going, you look lovely, of course, I do love you. Um, that was subtext yeah. in the other ones, but we're just going to be upfront about this. But you know, it's funny, that, that subtext was funny. Yeah. And um, do you remember, do you remember how that was funny in the other films? Look, here's, do you remember that really great Hans Zimmer track from the original Sherlock Holmes? Yeah. Well, it's here, but with a different note. Oh, it's a good thing we got Mark Mothersbaugh for that. It's a good thing we got one of the best yeah. fucking musicians of our time to do a Hans Zimmer impression. Well, yeah, I agree. They aspire to the courtroom eventually after a sad appearance from Kelly MacDonald. Oh. Me? I'm just a housekeeper for the Glasgow slums. The likes of me telling the likes of you what to put on his noggin. There are some uh, sound effects that accompany some hand gestures, which is all very good. Oh, It makes yes. you know that a funny thing has happened. There's a bit with a Dutch jig, yeah. which has actual Dutch jig music, which makes it funnier. Paul, is this still the first scene? Yeah. Oh, great. There were killer bees, and a guy shooting at killer bees. Is the mosquito in this scene? Yes. It's a it's a callback. Do you remember how Robert Downey Jr. does the deductive oh, yeah. reasoning? Oh, in, in, yeah. In the Guy Ritchie I film. Angle of approach. Compensate for warping floor. Count for resistance due to dust modes. Probable outcome. Termination of mosquito. Integrity of bee habitat maintained. Deadly bee swarm averted. And they're like, we, we all understand that this is a really cool, inventive way of communicating how Sherlock Holmes' mind works. Yeah. And we're just going to just do that. Is it overblown? Are we doing a comedic thing? I don't know. It's like South Park. If we just do it, people can figure out if we like it or not later. Mm. So that all happens. There's a terrible sound of some man screaming throughout the entire film, actually. I don't know what that was all about. Mm. Very odd decision of the director. Weird echo. Yeah. yeah. There's a sort of weird sinking sensation mm. and a weird bloodied pain in my fists. I don't know why the director put all that in there. I had that, but I, I also found, I don't know if you got this, but if I peered extra hard at the TV screen, I could see a ghost ripping at his own face and screaming mm. whenever there was a bit of darkness on screen. His horrible pale face just yeah, was strange. I mean, looking I, back at me. Yeah. Like it was speaking dull to me. dull pain around the groin area. Yeah, it was very strange. Yeah. But anyway, uh, they eventually do get to court and Sherlock Holmes deduces that Moriarty couldn't possibly have been arrested because he's too brilliant. So this is clearly a decoy. Yes. And that the real Moriarty has fled yeah. to America. So they should let him go. Yeah. And Rob Brydon, yeah. um, who yeah. really, yeah. I mean, at this stage, yeah. it's just, it's just yeah. needing yeah. paychecks. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 
so they go out into the next scene and um it's Holmes's birthday and he's invited yeah. to a oh, secret yeah. party at the Queen's house, which I should say is Buckingham Palace and not the Queen's house in Greenwich, even oh, though yes. he's filmed in Greenwich. That's confusing. There's there's a dead body in his cake and um after John C. Riley and Will Ferrell stab and hack at it with various weapons, mistaking blood for jam and insulting Rob Brydon some more. Yes, he deserves it. Um, the slut. He is literally following Steve Coogan at this point. He really is. You can see him in many scenes in Stan and Ollie, and just with his butt out. It's getting to be a problem for everyone involved, let, uh, not least Rob Brydon's family. In any case, they decide to autopsy the body. Yeah. Um, there's a lengthy conversation about throwing up, which I really appreciated, feeling quite sick watching this. Mm-hmm. That really hit me on the tickle, tickle knob. Well, that's audience surrogacy. Sure is. I was right there with them in that room. Yeah. And the vomit was right here in mine. And then Rebecca Hall walks into this steaming room of vomit. Oh, fuck. Yes, and perhaps her accent is revenge for the fucking accent that Steve Farrell (laughs) is perpetrating upon us. Yeah. Well, yes, I I prove the higher the voltage, the more demons are released. Well, of course. Some of my patients live as long as a week. Well, she's a doctor, and that's it's funny because um, it's the 1800s and... You didn't really get female doctors. But it's like Borat. They're raising attention to the prejudice. Yeah. And um, they do it many times as well. And that's yeah. how you do that uh, joke. Repetition is comedy and comedy is repetition. Yeah. The scene of them cleaning Paul? cake off of... I, sa- I said dusty, dusty old ninjas. Oh. Um, the scene of them cleaning cake off of a corpse does wonders for my cold. Um, sloppy, slop, slop, slop. They go in, they have a bit of a Rebecca Hall and John Watson... The character, the, which is their character names in this film, they go in and have a ghost over the autopsy. Basically, they listen to some modern music um, from the pops, oh, and yeah. they have a bit of a ghost on, and they fall in love. I think. And outside, Robert Downey Jr.'s character falls in love with a cat lady. Yes, Rebecca Hall sleeps with Mark Twain. Kelly McDonald, that her too. But Rebecca Hall did it first, and that's where they got the idea. And better. Because comedy is life, and life is art, and art is life, and art is comedy, and we are art. They go drinking and end up in a boxing ring. Which is where Steve Coogan is. Yes, with his eyebrows. Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. Because he tattooed the dead's body. And and then the other. Both, actually, yeah. You're right. Sorry, I wasn't specific. Please be specific, Paul. I can't keep up with this film. There's a boxing fight, and then there isn't a boxing fight. Mm. Then they're all on the Titanic. They... I don't care. I don't fucking care. There are there are three or so very, very good jokes about Donald Trump. Oh. In America, we have democracy. Our president is a person our people have all chosen. Mm. An assurance that only the finest and most qualified man will lead. Not a wealthy tyrant who cares for nothing but himself. But you have the Electoral College, which surely will prevent some trumped-up charlatan from gaining power. Not always, unfortunately. It would be great to have a strong businessman, but a showman as well. I love a good show. America. (laughs) (laughs) We gave you your freedom, and now look what you've done with it. Which, again, I must stress, are doing very good work for the left. Thank Um, God. This'll beat him. Thank God somebody's finally taking a stand. The Trump joke involves them actually changing positions from how the conversation started. Doesn't matter if it makes sense. It's just got to be topical. Hey, it's like Saturday Night Live, Paul. You remember how you love that show? I do. I do. Because The Fist told me I did. As long as I agree with the fist, everything's okay. Kelly MacDonald was the criminal. Mm. She tries to blow up the Titanic. John C. Riley stops her, 
after a stint in prison. And then it's all okay. Yeah. And the Titanic goes off and they track Moriarty down to a Western tavern. Remember, he was in the film. Sequel. There's seven minutes more of screaming. And then it just kind of goes quiet. Everything goes very, very quiet. Lights were turning on and off in my flat. And a hand came through the darkness. And the next thing I knew, I was in bed. I never found bed. I found the bottle. This was shit. What a fucking awful film. I was not ready for this. I quite like Will Ferrell. I don't mind him. I don't think I've seen many of his films, but I really like Elf. He's good in Elf. I love Anchorman. I love him in... Anchorman's pretty good. I like that. I love him in Zoolander. I'm trying to look for a film in his filmography that would represent the last time he was in something that was well-liked. The Lego Movie? I think that might be a very small part in the Lego Movie. I can't find anything else. You've got Anchorman, Zoolander, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Nothing this decade. Blades of Glory, which was, yeah, 2007. Um, it it's, it's been a while. Yep. But he, you know, he's he's definitely done good stuff. He was also sure. in Everything Must Go and Stranger Than Fiction, which are great, more serious roles. And I did kind of hope that he was going to be going that way. And right. I do find that comics lend themselves quite well to the sad and the more melancholic roles. God almighty. For the last 15 years, the sort of forefront of American comedy has been headed by Will Ferrell, Owen Wilson, mm-hmm. Vince Vaughn. It's not been a golden age. Has Owen Wilson been doing much comedy recently? Oh, yeah, man. He does a lot of shit that flies under our radar. How about the internship? I just burped. I think that's pretty much that. How about Hall Pass? Oh, God. This was really shit. It was yes. It was unbelievably, indescribably painful and, and shit. Yes. There's no plot yeah. whatsoever. It, the, the plot it could have been solved in three minutes. It's just filled with that same old improv bullshit that has no direction yeah. at all. Well, I think... The humour can be broken down in five ways. Mm-hmm. First of all, anachronisms. That's references to the future, like the selfie stick. Yeah. But who's going to take the photograph? No, oh, no, I'll take the photograph. You see, it's a type of a self-photograph. I can take it, and I will be in it also. You know what I find to take the most attractive photographs? You need to purse your lips together like a duck-billed platypus. Platypus face, chins up. Hey! Hey! Hey, girl. <laughs> or, yeah, or the fucking drunk telegrams. Yeah. Grace, stop. Are you awake? <laughs> stop. <laughs> Are you quite sure this is a good idea? This is wonderful. The, the combination of the late hour and your drunkenness allows for communication of exceptional honesty. Which, which is a good idea, but after a couple concept. of seconds of it, I realised oh, that fuck. this wasn't the skill to keep it going. Or the direction or anything. Yeah, so there's that. But also the idea of stoner humour placed in Victorian England. That's the Your Mm. Highness effect. That's the anachronisms. (sighs) Then you have the idea of iconic characters acting out of character. Namely Mm. the idea that what if Sherlock Holmes was a buffoon? And I think actually Simon Munnery did a really good stand-up of this. The idea that he was just a chancer who was making everything up. The first two cases were a fluke. After that, I coasted on my laurel. It began simply enough as at a party, one of those parties common enough at the time where someone gets murdered in an upstairs room and there's much rumpus and kerfuffle. I was banged up to the monkey nuts at the time, of course, and mashed on squinty puff as was my habit. And on a whim, I stuck out my arm and pointing without looking, bellowed in melodious tones the phrase, it was him what done it. 
To my surprise, when I opened my eyes, the man I'd accidentally been pointing at had crumpled to the floor and begun a long and blabbering confession, at uh, the end of which a uh, lull descended, and uh, suddenly someone asked me in a hushed voice how I had done it. Uh, of course, I was tempted to claim some sort of divine power or magical ability, but noting the change in fashion, plumped for science. There's definite mileage there in the idea that Sherlock Holmes actually just, you know, was got lucky and was a, yeah. an asshole, but they can't seem to make up its mind whether or not he is actually an asshole who just gets lucky, or if he really is a genius. Yeah, no, he, he never he's... did anything wrong. Yeah. He never made any wrong decisions. He was always right, so yeah, well, it wasn't very yes, constant. Yes, he, he does turn out to be right about Moriarty, so... Yeah. Uh... Yeah, He's 100% uh, right. The only thing he doesn't get is that Kelly MacDonald is Moriarty's daughter. Yeah. Which is yeah. the twist of the movie. It's it's not f- a funny character, and I found the accent really insufferable. Oh, these ridiculous voices that they're doing. Isn't this yeah. funny? It's not, actually. Number three is vulgarity and slapstick. Mm. Not much slapstick. Not much vulgarity, and the don't. slapstick was no, weak. Uh, no, stuff like cleaning the cake off of a corpse and throwing up and, uh, and stuffing the queen's body into a, you know... That happened in a scene, by the way. The Queen passed out and they stuffed her into a fucking... It was awful. It was really bad. Just imagine Richie and Eddie if they had no humour or ability whatsoever. And, and, and like, Ugh. not an intelligent director around it. I felt like most of those shots, all the physical humour felt obscured by shitty directing. Yeah. What little yeah. it was, you know. Number four, spoofing Guy Ritchie. Fucking timely. Yeah. Making fun of the plot beats of a film that kind of got ignored when it came out because everyone decided they preferred the BBC Sherlock. Like, I really, I feel like there weren't too many waves that came off of Sherlock. It's not like everyone copied that style, like The Matrix. Yeah. It kind of just happened. I quite like them, but in terms of cultural impact, I'd be very surprised if anyone who wasn't of a certain age when they came out even remember them. You know, there are reasons for parodying things, right? Sure. What are you parodying by bringing up the Guy Ritchie Sherlock movies? You're using a very, very good piece of music by Hans Zimmer and yeah. beats from, from very good, enjoyable movies. I don't know. They weren't saying anything about it. They weren't saying anything about yeah. Sherlock. They weren't saying anything about previous adaptations. I don't know. I, I don't... It was just an excuse to fuck around. I think you can just use it as a fl- as a sort of tone, you know, because everyone, nobody remembers the... Um... The film The Airplane is a spoof of. We've gone over that before. And it's, yeah. you know, you can spoof really great movies. Um, It's just, mm. this isn't funny at all. It's not that mm. they don't do anything funny with it. And I feel like you could maybe do something funny with the whole idea of breaking down the style of a character sort of mentally preparing what they're about to do, you know, before they do it. They just... Mm don't they play it straight more or less yeah the scene where he swats a fly with a cricket bat you know that's just how guy Ritchie would have done it yeah he talks about angle of velocity he talks about you know impact and likely outcome mm. the only thing that's different is that it's a slightly ridiculous thing that he's doing with it and and the the, the fallout is that he cracks the glass and then the bees come out but yeah it, it feels like a delayed response to that you, you yeah. what would have been better is just a full like a full throttle clumsy cricket bat through the glass immediately. Or how about if one of his monologues got interrupted? You know, if he was just like, okay, angle of trajectory, speed of bat, and then Holmes just, and then Watson just comes in, ah! Yeah. And smashes yeah. it whilst he's doing it. He's like, oh. Yeah. You know, just anything to subvert expectations rather than just lamely playing into them. There's nothing subversive about it. And when you're doing yeah. this kind of thing, you've, you've got to subvert it. You're really fucking misguided. And that's just this it's very odd. film is just super misguided all the way through. It is. The fifth and final one is just vulgarity and gurning. Yeah. It's just, yeah, 
very lazy humor. It's just not funny. That's the yeah. thing. And that makes it really painful to watch. Yeah. And it's also quite irritating. And when a film is irritating at its heart and you feel like it's lazy at its heart, it's very hard to then extend the goodwill to then accept the odd funny moment. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, there were some, and we did note them down. So, shall we? Yeah. Yeah, might as well. <laughs> Let's quick fire. Quick fire. The first moment that made me smile a little was one of the first lines, which is when Will Farrell is stroking that thing, whatever that vegetable is. I don't know vegetables. <laughs> when he's, he's stroking the green, uh, the green pork, he calls it a succulent bitch. Mm. Oh, you beautiful green succulent bitch. That's right. It's well worded. Yeah. It's one of those moments that almost made me laugh, but it didn't quite make it out of my mouth. That that laugh died on my lips. <laughs> um, poison kiss. That laugh died in my arms tonight. The newspaper intro where they did the whole spinning to the front headline yeah. uh, exposition thing. One of them was, crime happened, home solves in four seconds. Oh, yes, I remember that. Which is yeah. pretty good. <laughs> yeah, just a little succession there of just, oh, it's Greenwich. Oh, it's Kelly McDonald. Mm. Oh, it's Ralph Fiennes with a beard. Aw. <laughs> well, come on, I'm going to have some nice things to look at at least Aww, Look at that bit. Oh, that. Look at that Greenwich Look at that Kelly McDonald Look no. at it I hate them all <laughs> Oh, they managed to source real English Cockney children That was pretty good <laughs> I enjoyed that One of them was Leanna Mormont Oh, was she? Yeah. Oh, Leanna Mormont I thought that that moment was unnecessarily terrifying Oh, I like Watson The bees get out mm. And next time we cut back to Watson He already has his guns out And he's shooting at them mm. And just something about the idea of shooting wildly at bees. I mean, the whole I mean, joke that's a good is that sentence. Watson keeps... Yeah, it's good. And what John C. Riley, I feel, is the better performer here of the two, which isn't saying much, but mm. he is—he does have really good comedy instincts. The odd shot of him just reaching for his gun at the mildest provocation was was quite good. The idea of just a, a manic, trigger happy Watson. There was something. There was something there. Well, following on from that, when John C. Riley and Rebecca Hall are doing the autopsy you know, whatever, about that scene. But when they find yeah. out that they both like to listen to music when, whilst they're doing it, which again is just so yeah. shit and empty, John C. Riley gives this wonderful little smile and it conveys this portrait of a man who's pained and keeping PTSD <laughs> barely under the surface of his skin. It was really sweet. Yeah. And then when in the next scene when they're sort of giggling like kids about their weird flirty autopsy, yeah. the two of them giggling and like poking at each other was really nice. Aww. Yeah, I agree. John, I mean, John C. Riley is... A fantastic actor, so it's got to oh, come out brilliant. sometimes, right? I will add, we have the thing again here. It's difficult when you've got really overproduced, high-budget comedy. Mm. Because, for example, there's a gag involving a ring. I can't quite remember it. All I've written down is that the multiple angles on the ring mm. and the music changes make it not funny. And that's just such a common thread. Like, yeah. it's overproduced. Comedy has to feel a little bit spontaneous mm. or just... Uh, having an insert shot says we restaged this this was written yeah. it was thought about it was scrutinized and it was filmed carefully and that's just an anathema to good comedy i find i like the line when he's trying to explain all the times that he's thrown up when seeing bodies before mm. he says that he shook hands with a prostitute <laughs> i just yeah the, the notion of shaking hands with a prostitute <laughs> amused me okay that would be a thing a victorian gentleman might do doing it all the day mate <laughs> all the day so some of their jobs actually <laughs> The best Holmes moment for me, I think, was when he finally enters the courtroom and goes, stop this trial at once. And as he's walking, like swaggering to the front of the room, he takes off his hat and puts it on a pew and then it very craply falls off. 
to the floor. <laughs> That's good. Behind him. That is good. Whilst he's already gone past it. I hadn't noticed that. Yes, I, I mean, everybody knows that it's vaguely amusing that Sherlock Holmes took cocaine so sort of brazenly yeah. in the original Arthur Conan Doyle stories, particularly in The Sign of mm. Four. Just because it wasn't a thing back then, it didn't have the same connotations it does now, so he can <laughs> just reach for the cocaine bottle quite absentmindedly. He actually fucking injects it in Sign of Four. <laughs> in backdoor bitches. <laughs> You drink it three times a day, Holmes. <laughs> but yes, the line, Would you like some heroin? Just uh, took me by surprise and I quite liked it. Yeah, I, I saw that one in the trailer. And this is ah. one of those films where seeing it in a trailer really does ruin it for the film. <laughs> it's ain't fucking Green Book, mate. I barely remember the trailer. Uh, all I could remember from the trailer was the selfie stick scene. I'm thinking, oh, that's yeah. what they're doing. Oh, right, that's garbage. That. I hate this. <laughs> Bye. You stay in, Peter Travers. Okay. <laughs> well, if, when you need help, I'm going, help I'm going. getting down from your seat, I'll, um, I've been walking out for the last 90 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I walked out in the first minute. It just took me the whole time to get out. <laughs> you ever walked out in, from a film, Peter Travers? Never seen one long enough. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, w- what made this movie watchable for me is having a cast that I've really liked in a lot of other movies. Yeah. And I, I do like Will Ferrell in a whole bunch of stuff. John C. Riley in pretty much everything. Rebecca Hall yeah. in The Prestige, The Town. Yeah, she's great. Christine. Brilliant film. Yeah, I don't know. There's always something comforting about having yeah. people that you love in a movie, and that prevented it from being mind-numbingly boring. Yeah. That and the fact that it was actually incredibly, unbelievably awful. Yeah. Both quite entertaining. <laughs> it was. Um, coming on to the John C. Riley thing we mentioned earlier, hmm. I liked how committed his performance was during the tr- uh, his dream about strip chess, mm. where, um, yeah, he's giving a lot of sauce to that performance that I quite enjoyed. Oh, cool. But also, those fighting kids were really good. In yeah. a pub, they see a couple of kids fighting. They're really good. They're giving like the raid style energy yeah. to their fight choreography. I think one of them might have been Eddie Reese Jr. One of them might have been Gad of Heavens. <laughs> one of them might have been Eddie Reese Jr. Jr. <laughs> they both are. He's a real egomaniac. My next good thing is a terribly unfunny moment where they're going through the different euphemisms for masturbating. Oh, yeah. But, you know, they're going through different euphemisms which don't exist and none of them are funny yeah. or well thought through. And when they finally get it, someone from the, the crowd just goes, oh, Thank you. <laughs> Oh, well, that's weirdly... It's just the word wanker, isn't it, that we enjoy? Because my next one is um, Fines, when he is exposed as being just a bloke called Musgrave. Yeah. Says, um... I don't know who it is, I swear. I'm just a a simple wanker. (laughs) But a simple wanker is a wonderful thing to say. A wonderful opening gambit. It's it's, it's the, (laughs) oh, a wanker over the top of a a, a mumbling crowd. (laughs) Oh! A A good vulgarity coming out of a mumbling crowd is always... A great thing. I mean, that's comedy the genius. Ted, sort of just fucking hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at Holmes's birthday party, the Queen says, "Thank you, Sherlock Holmes." And with and John C. Riley grabs her hand again. He has this thing for the Queen, and he very oh. quietly, crappily oh, go- yes. reaches for her hand, and she stops talking and looks down at them, and she and he like sadly lets go <laughs> before he, she continues with a line. <laughs> it's a very sweet, <laughs> awkward bit of comedy. Uh. My next two things are Riley's. Um, I liked his queen voice when he needs to keep the guards at the door and so impersonates the queen. Yes, I'm quite fine. My lover John Watson will take good care of me. Again, it's the commitment he brought to it. <laughs> and I also like him. When that song started, I just thought, fuck me, this is awful. And then his singing part started and I was like, well, it's still not funny, but I can... <laughs> what a lovely man. What is this strange sensation? Where did I go wrong? Why am I a sobbing, trembling man? Till my neck will snap in half again. And yet I go somehow. And yet, I would still forgive him. More or less. 
I loved his uh, his line. I think it's during the drunk telegramming scene, which again would have been a great idea if it had been a two second long scene. And his, I think it's his delivery of come and get them while they're hot. Oh, okay. The death trap gear thing was pretty horrific, but again, they just couldn't be bothered to have him get further into it. This was mm. two gears that Watson was strapped to. Yeah. And the way it was positioned, his head was about to be fed into the gears. Oh, yeah. That was pretty horrifying. And if it had gotten to the point where it was just about to happen and maybe the gear was just about his head when he gets free, um, mm. when he gets freed, that would have been horrible, but eh, they couldn't be bothered. That's a surprise. I'm shocked. Yeah. I really like Lauren Lapkus as Millicent. She she had some good face work going on. And uh, mm. she was the supposed idiot who yeah. Holmes was falling in love with. Some of the best physical comedy in the film, I think. She did some good work around licking a lollipop and handing Will Ferrell a picture of a sad cat. <laughs> that was good. I remember that. She was, she was quite charming. I, I enjoyed that. Cool. I'm out. Okay. Um, three more. So I'll just do them real quick. Cool. When they're having the boxing match and they have the ring girl who walks around oh, in yeah. round one. Um, she's yeah. all dressed up in a corset. And uh, Will Ferrell goes, what is she doing? It's six in the morning. <laughs> I, I, I really enjoy Steve Coogan's delivery of... No, I've literally been stabbed in the back. <laughs> falls over the, ro- over the ropes. Uh, you can't beat Coogan. You cannot beat Coogan. You Anything. cannot drain him of the comedy juice. No matter how hard you squeeze. Many have tried and they cough it up and then we were born. <laughs> it's horrible watching the tour with me. <laughs> it's saying, actually, I'm actually really fulfilled by my entire life. <laughs> <laughs> Mental. Pipe dreams. and then finally just the fucking line delivered by one of the companions in the companion room in in that gentleman's club that they go to oh yeah oh where Hugh Laurie's in the film for god's sake oh yeah well anyway Watson is led into this companion's room because he's not smart enough to be in with all the big boys and some dude just looks up at him as he enters and says balloons are happy but they're not alive as a greeting yeah I remember that it made me laugh it's a a subversive line I just felt the empty sad my last good thing is I really like Kelly MacDonald in general. Mm. And it was nice to know that her character wasn't just some garbage punchline about sleeping with various literary figures. And once she becomes a villain, it looks like she's actually might be having some fun. Yeah. I'm sorry to do this, Dr. Watson. I'm gonna crush your feet. There's gonna be brains everywhere and I'll no be cleaning up after. I know you're threatening me, but I can't understand a word you're saying. She became quite a cool presence to watch when she just became an absolute cackling villain. And yeah, I liked it. Some of the old lines, which I'll throw in here. Made me smile. Didn't like her until then. (laughs) Well, she had nothing until then. She was just a fucking... She was always so sad and awkward looking, which I guess is part of her whole I'm actually secretly a villain, just pretending to do all this stuff that's lower than me angle. But her whole thing was she would come in, turns out she'd been having sex with someone and that she was ashamed. She'd look sad Mm. as she was chastised Mm. and then she'd leave the scene. What is that? No idea, mate. It's all just part of the same bullshit. We're lucky we felt anything. (laughs) <laughs> Holmes and Watson. All right, did we get anything from the OG team? Oh, well, when we when I asked the OG team about um the OG team, <laughs> fuck everything. Um, Christopher Bond replied to say, "Oh no." And then Blokebusters got in touch on Facebook and said it got a lot of people work, I guess. So yeah. rousing support. I'd sooner they'd be unemployed for Holmes and Watson. This is this is the kind of bullshit the Tories use to conflate the um the unemployment state figures. It's like lowest unemployment in years. Yeah, but some of them made Holmes and Watson. <laughs> what say you to that, May? On the other end, the old style communists. No one's unemployed. Yeah, but you've got fifty eight thousand men digging a hole outside of Holmes and Watson. Look where the free market economy's gotten us. <laughs> Change is the only way. Go on, guys.
get in the hole. <laughs> Was there anything else? No, thanks, OG team. I don't have anything written down anywhere. Let's do the one better, one better thing. thing. The one better thing. My one better thing is any of the other sort of movies that came out in 2018 that revolve around John C. Riley having a two-hander with someone. Mm-hmm. So you've got the Sisters Brothers, where he's in there with Joaquin Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And you've got uh, Stan and Ollie, where he's in there with the you know, Steve Coogan. And you've got Ralph Breaks the Internet, which is pretty much a two-hander with him and the Sarah Silverman character. Mm. And it was this wonderful period. They all came out at the end of last year, and it was just this fabulous thing of these great, great movies coming out with John C. Riley. And I actually, I saw him at the London Film Festival in the premiere of The Sisters Brothers. Um, suddenly the, the compare was like, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome John C. Riley. And the audience went fucking crazy. Wow. Like, I saw a lot of celebrities at the London Film Festival, but that was a really powerful reaction to John mm. C. Riley. It was very odd. Oh, man. He had, his, he had a little hat and a waistcoat, and he looked like a fucking... looked like he could do you if he, if he had to, mm. if he wanted to. But he wouldn't, because he's lovely. Mm. He does that later, eventually. <laughs> we all get round to Riley. I, I really like Riley. I think he's a really generous performer. I think he um, affords his screen partners a lot of opportunities to do their thing. Mm-hmm. Um, whilst also subtly being the sort of beating heart of a lot of the films he's been in. And any one of those three films that I mentioned will be a really rewarding experience for you to check out, not least because of um, Riley's performances. I think of Stan and Ollie. Do you remember the bit where he's bet on a horse, I think? And he um, he's lost, so he like tears up the paper and he throws it at the floor, and then he notices there are some kids watching him. Mm. And so he transitions out of his um, ill temper into a bit of like business oh, yeah. to make the kids laugh. Oh, that's heartbreaking beautiful it is and it's just a beautiful little moment and he yeah. just he does so much of that he's wonderful so yeah. yeah don't watch this and don't be thinking that john c Riley can't break your heart because he can and your face and he already has and he has and you just don't know about it yet deal with it oh well for me uh thinking of anachronistic or powder comedy adaptations uh galaxy quest and austin powers come to mind yeah. they satirize the genre and work on meta levels as well galaxy quest starring tim allen allen Tim Allen, Alan Rickman, uh, Sigourney Weaver, Sam Rockwell, and uh, a bunch of other people. Um, Austin Powers, obviously, starring serial killer Michael Myers. It's it's either gentle teasing of the genre, or it's looking at dated, what are you doing? Oh, just pulling a face. <laughs> pulling a vaguely Steve Coogan-esque surprised face. <laughs> um, it's deeply troubling. It feels like you're looking right inside me. Either it's gentle teasing, <laughs> ah! either it's gentle teasing of the genre, or it's looking at dated tropes in a then in a then modern light, as well as the casually misogynistic old school bonds and how well you would expect that to go down today. You know, they display knowledge of and love for their targets, and they work because they're done with this in mind. There's a little bit of intelligence, which apparently does go a long way. Uh, if Holmes if and Watson is anything to go by, and an actual storyline for you to follow. Yeah, what's involved in? All curious about. Where's it going to go next? What's going to happen? Yeah. Mr. Austin Powers. Yeah. Man of mystery. Who's to say? He's an international man of mystery, actually, is his full title. According not, to not just tweet. man of mystery of Swindon or something. <laughs> Do you know who's a really underrated performer in those Austin Powers movies? The first two, anyway. Mm-hmm. I really like Michael York. He plays Basil Exposition, I yeah. think is his name. Yeah. Michael York, I really love. He was in Logan's Run, and he was in a really excellent Three Musketeers adaptation in the 1970s. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, and I like him a lot as Basil. Just, yeah. um, I suggest you don't worry about it, Austin. In fact, that goes for you too at home. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's great. It's got a really cool supporting cast. I yeah. really love Rob Lowe in those movies. Yeah, fuck, um, I forgot about Rob Lowe. It's number. T- yeah, what is he? Yeah, number two. He's young. Number That's two. That's right. And s- number two, you look so healthy and youthful. <laughs> and you've got Seth Green. Oh, those are very funny. I I don't remember liking Goldmember very much, but maybe I need to give that another go. Uh, no, it's pretty lazy compared to the other two. Yeah, and. Eh, Beyonce doesn't really do it for me in those in that movie. Do it in what Or sense, Michael Caine, in fact. You're saying that this film is bad because the female performer did not sexually arouse you? No, not at all. Uh? Not. Uh, that wasn't the thing I was saying. Oh, you meant do it for you in a spiritual sense. In a, Yeah, in a, in a filmic sense. Ah. Uh, but what you mean, I didn't find her attractive. <laughs> Subversive. Uh, that Heather Graham, though. My, oh, Michael Caine did it for me. A lot of things wrong with that one, but the first two, I think, oh, are, yeah. are, are great. So uh, a bunch of great, and uh, the first one or two have Michael uh, Will Ferrell in. Oh, oh, does he play the guy who oh, gets it's beginning fr- to smell that, a lot yes. like almonds? Yes, I remember that. That's yeah. the second one. Yeah, Mustafa. That's Which it. one has Tom Arnold in it? Where um he's in the, the next toilet cube, uh, cubicle, and someone tries to kill Austin Powers, and he thinks he's just having a particularly tricky shit. Oh, who does number two work for? That's right, you show that turd who's boss. <laughs> I can't remember, actually. Holy shit, mister, what did you eat? See, there, there are good misunderstandings, right? <laughs> That's a comedy misunderstanding, and they, they really do, did it to death. They done did it to death by the end of the third one, but yeah. Holmes and Watson is full of these misunderstandings. that They have no setup whatsoever. There's no thought that goes into any single one of them. It's just, yeah. it's the same as grown-ups in that sense. It's, oh, wouldn't it be funny if it looked like shit was coming out, like ice cream was coming out of my butt, oh, it was like shit. Fuck off. It's at the Ugh. same level for me. It's it the is. same fucking level. It's just yeah. Grown Ups was really mean and unpleasant to watch. Yeah. This was less so it's not mean. not as bad as that, but... Yeah. Hey, yeah. everyone. The it wasn't good me. thing about this. Who would like this movie? Who would like this movie? I think it's less spiteful. It doesn't yeah. have a mean bone in it. It's just crap and lazy. That's the thing. And if that yeah. gets to you, then that's going to that's gonna bother you. If it, the fact that it's crap is going to get to you, then <laughs> that is going to bother you. Look, if you don't mind that it's crap, I think you might like this one. All right. Um, are we out of segments? <laughs> We're done. This We're finally done. Ridiculous. The one better thing. Thank you for listening to One Good Thing. You pricks. Yeah, thanks so m- Sorry? I just said you pricks. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, let me try again. Thanks for listening to One Good Thing. You pricks. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, ah, thanks on, everyone so much if you want to get in touch you can do so on Facebook Twitter and Instagram at OGT Pod. do check us out on all three platforms and any other you can think of in your special dreams because we do put the call out for the OG team on all of them um, even on the backs of your glasses eyelids and butts so keep checking those mirrors <laughs> keep checking those butts I see you baby checking that butt <laughs> with your equipment OG team you can find us on Podbean YouTube Stitcher and iTunes and all good pod catching apps just the good ones though. traps the shit ones we're not on the shit ones. Yeah. Only on the good ones. We're not on the shit one. You know which one that is. <laughs> I think we all know. That one. You listening to that right now? This message is just for you. Look, check your you pockets full of shit. Oh! How did it pause do me like this? That's how you know. Pockets <laughs> full of shit. Wrong podcast app is the proverb. <laughs> is the ancient Chinese proverb. Confucius say. Confucius also say, check us out on a lot of green.com.au for um, us and more good Australian content. Uh, Yay. We're proud members. Thanks. Hooray. A lot of green. Thanks. We got a lot of green. And we got a lot of got a lot of us now and we're all there so you can go check it out poor stupid suckers (laughs) i'm stupid sucker i'm stupid sucker i'm mark stupid sucker and remember the one thing about holmes and watson is john c kelly mcdonald